this idea of a series just on grace. Because grace is sort of a bit confusing. It's one of those things that sounds good. You know, we, we sing about it and it's wonderful. We can pray and ask that God would give it to us. We think that's a good prayer. And I say it is a good prayer. But at the end of the day, sometimes we're lost about what is really grace. Like, what does it mean to, to experience grace? We talked about last week is this idea that mercy, mercy is that we don't give what God, like what's owed to us. That God doesn't give us what's owed to us. We go, oh, I, want, I, I want God to give me what's owed to me. Like, well, actually, no, you don't. No, you don't. Because what the scriptures tell us, what it speaks of, is that actually what, we, what, we're, what we're owed is, is the wrath of God. Because we have, we have lived lives and we are broken and separated from him. And we are not owed the goodness of God. And to, to think that we're owed the goodness and righteousness of God is to live in an entitled sense. And what the scriptures say is it's only by the grace of God. So the mercy says, I'm not going to give you what's owed to you. Grace says, I'm going to give that which you don't even deserve. The goodness of God and his righteousness. That God takes the unrighteousness of your life and replaces it with his righteousness. And what we see in the scriptures, it says, as we saw last week, and this is how you are saved. We talk about being saved as this idea of saving from, or the way you always, you're saved from something and then to something. And so the scriptures say that we're, we're saved from an eternity without God, which is d- defined as hell, right? A, d- a definition of hell would be an eternity without God. And we're saved to an eternity when the eternal presence of, of, of Jesus now, what, what makes that happen is it says it's not by works. It's not by anything that you've done. It's not because you have, you've cleaned your life up, you got things together, you squared them away, and then God's like, well, I don't know, it's pretty, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good candidate. And then, and, then, and then graduates you into his goodness. It says that we're only saved, we're saved by grace alone. It's not by works. By the way, it's one of the beautiful things about Christianity. And not only is it one of the beautiful things about Christianity, but it's one of the beautiful things among all of the world's religions. For really, Christianity is the only religion in which it says that we can't work our way up to God, but God has worked his way down to us. Emmanuel, God among us. All the other religions are trying to, if there is a God, all the other religions are trying to earn the approval of God or the gods. And Christianity is unique in the sense to say that we can't do that. There's nothing we could do to do that. And here's the problem, I think, for us, especially in America, because it's so un-American, right? You work hard for the things you get. You don't have the things you want, you work harder. You work harder. You, you want the approval of God, you work harder. Make a lot of sacrifices, work hard, get God's approval. The problem is that's not scriptural, right? We don't see that in the scriptures. And I think that this idea of grace is hard to understand in coming to faith. And what I have found in my experience, it's even harder to understand the, the more I mature in faith. Now, I know more about God's grace. I can, I can quote more verses, go to more places, right? But to, I, my experience, I find often that people that are new to faith, and you tell them, like, you are saved not by your works, 
but by your grace. And there's just this truth that is, that is in them. They, they know that. But what I find is that what happens a lot of times in the Christian faith is that as you grow and as you mature, we begin to lay down that truth and we pick up the truth that it, maybe it is by works. Actually, I find it's, it's harder for mature Christians sometimes, if we're just being honest and shooting straight, it's harder for mature Christians to wrestle with this idea that you are, like what makes you good before God and good in His sight is not what you've done. But people think, but I, but I don't know, like, maybe a little bit? Like, no, not, no. And I think what it is, is that when you come to faith, and somebody says, it's not based on your works, you go, oh my gosh, that's good news. <laughs> that is really, I, that is the, the good news. But what happens is that if, if, if you become a Christian, is what the scriptures tell us, is that God's going to be doing some things in you. He's going to be molding you and shaping you and changing you. And over time, what's going to happen in you is you're going to be molded and shaped more into the likeness of Jesus. So as time passes and God's working on you through internal circumstances, external circumstances, you become more patient, ideally, right? More loving, more kind, more gentle, more faithful, more trusting and trustworthy. And you do enough of that, and that continues to mature in that area, and then all of a sudden you get to this place, you're like, well, maybe it is about works. No, that too is by the grace of God, as we saw last week, even the grace of God was preparing these things for you beforehand. And so I think that it's, it's often sometimes easier for the newer people in faith than the people that are more mature. Because I think if you're a Christian, and you've been a Christian for a while, you can go, man, I, I crushed it. That was a good week. God's really pleased with me. But then you have a bad week and go, God's so mad at me right now. He's so disappointed with me right now. And I go, but the problem is, I know you feel like that, but that's not what the scriptures teach us. And so my question is, if salvation, this is what we're going to answer this morning. If salvation is obtained by grace, then how is salvation maintained, right? So if we get it by grace, not by works, but by grace, if we get it that way, then my question is, how is it kept? How do we keep salvation? If we're made right in the eyes of God, in a moment we're made right in the eyes of God, righteous and good because of what Jesus has done for us, not because of any works that we have done, my question is, then what, 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 what keeps us that way? And often what happens is that this is, this is the transfer. We obtain it by grace and not by works, but then we think the way that we stay in God's good graces is because of we're doing good things. And the way that we get out of God's good graces is we do bad things. I was thinking this week that I think often we, we have a view of God that, that more parallels Santa Claus than it does the scriptures, right? I was thinking this week, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Because Jesus is going to return. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out 
who's naughty and nice. Jesus is coming back. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sakes. And I thought, you know, that may be a good way with that to get like to get kids to to be obedient in the month of December, right? And that's even the idea as uh, the elf on the shelf is he's reporting back to Santa. Oh yeah, so you better because the elf on the shelf is now he's watching you too. And if you don't do this and you don't do that, then who knows? And I go, I think we have a view of God that reflects Santa Claus more than it does the scriptures. And I think that that is a problem. So the question I'm going to answer this morning, I'm going to come at it, by the way, I'm going to come at it in a really roundabout way. So you're like, I thought we were answering this question. We are answering this question. The question is, if salvation is, is, is obtained by grace, not by works, how is it kept? Is it kept by grace or is it kept by works? To start our journey this morning, we're going to start in the book of Ezekiel, which is an Old Testament prophet book. And so if you've got your Bibles, go there. It's going to, you're going to find it after Isaiah and Jeremiah. The big boys, you can kind of, it's a big, big book, so we're going to be in 34. And God is going to, he's going to, he's coming against, and he's got a word through the prophet Ezekiel to the shepherds, those who are to keep watch over the spiritual well-being of the people of Israel. This is what he says in chapter 34. We're going to start in verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me, referring to Ezekiel, son of man, Prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourself with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered, they wandered all over the mountains, And on every high hill, my sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. And so this this message that comes from Ezekiel to to the the shepherds of Israel and the word to the shepherds of Israel, he goes, I want you to go talk to the bad shepherds of Israel. And what I want you to say to them is that they have not shepherded my people well. They have fed themselves first, and they have devoured the sheep. In fact, they were supposed to feed the sheep, but instead of feeding the sheep, they were eating the sheep. And because that was true, the sheep scattered. And when the sheep scattered from the devouring of the shepherds, then they were devoured by wild beasts. And so that's why it's like you are you're you're not you are not good shepherds. All you're doing is taking care of yourself, watching out for yourself. Are you okay? Are you good? 
And yet the ones that you've been in charge of, you have, you have feasted on them. Because of that, they have scattered. And now they were devoured. They were devoured with you. Then they sent out. And then they got devoured out there. Some of you guys know what this is like, right? I mean, think about maybe at some point you worked for a boss or you work for now a boss or you've heard it. But, but, but basically you go, that just described my, my boss, right? I'm wanting to devour people. You ever work for somebody like that? You know what that's like? Like all they care about is themselves, They don't care if you're paid. They don't care if you get days off. They don't care about how you're doing. All they care about is how you are making them look. What are you doing for them? And they are devouring you, and they're supposed to be over you and care for you to make a good work environment, but all they're doing is just devouring you. And so what you, interestingly, you find is you see a scattering, right? If you're going to those work environments, there is no camaraderie. There's no, like, teamwork. It's because there is this mentality of every man for himself. And this is why you find people, like, there's, there's, there's no loyalty. There's no camaraderie. People will get out of there as soon as possible. And your one way to survive that is to keep your head down and just, and just plow through, right? And so we know what it's like to, to, to serve or to work for a bad leader. The problem here is God's like, this is my, this is my people. Like, sure, that's okay. I mean, that, that's going to happen out there. But among my people, I can't have my shepherds be doing this. And so interestingly, because you go, how, how, should, you, how should you come against this? These, these shepherds who are devouring and scattering the people scattering the sheep what's the solution we don't have time to look at all of the solution here so we're going to jump around a little bit but i want to first go to then ezekiel chapter 34 verse 15 further down this is god still speaking he goes i myself will be the shepherd of my sheep listen i myself god saying that he himself is going to be the shepherd of my sheep and i will make myself I said, I I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong. I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. Going on in verse 22. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep. And I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David. And he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be the prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. And so how does he respond to the bad shepherds he says well the bad shepherds they devour the sheep and then the sheep scatter and then they get devoured out there and god says and as the good shepherd i'm going to come i myself as we says i myself am going to come i'm going to gather them and i'm going to protect them and i'm going to provide for them That's what the good shepherd does. The good shepherd gathers the sheep. He provides for the sheep. I'm going to make them lie down. 
and I'm going to protect them. Like nobody's going, nobody's going to devour them. And so the way that, that, that he, he says, so he, he confronts the bad shepherds, but he says the way that I'm going to confront the bad shepherds is not necessarily even to make them good shepherds. That would be nice. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to do even one better than that. I'm going to come to be the good shepherd. There's, now there's going to be one shepherd. And under that one shepherd, there will be other hired hands, people that are in charge of and helpful for, but we're all under one shepherd. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, this sounds very New Testament. Didn't Jesus say something about being a good shepherd? He did. And a lot of times we think, oh, it's just because it's a good analogy. It is a good analogy. But here's what's more beautiful than that. It's actually a fulfillment of prophecy. Those are the best analogies, by the way. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me now to John chapter 10 which is kind of where I wanted to spend our time, but you needed to know that one of the things that Jesus is doing is he's confronting the bad shepherds of Ezekiel chapter 34. This is what he says in chapter 10, verse 1. This is Jesus speaking. Truly, truly, I say to you, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he is brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger, it says here, a stranger they do not follow. A stranger they will not follow. But they will, they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So I went one verse further than what we had up there. And so he says, actually, what the shepherd does, the shepherd, the shepherd comes, he goes, there's thieves and there are robbers. They're coming up over the walls. If they're coming up over the walls, then it's probably a sign that they don't belong in the sheepfold. Like they're, they're not the shepherd because the shepherd comes through the gate. And when the shepherd comes through the gate, he calls out to his sheep because he knows them. This is what it says. The shepherd knows the sheep. The sheep know his voice. And then the sheep as it says here, the sheep follow. This is very key, by the way. I want you to know that Jesus, knowing the sheep, precedes, comes before them knowing his voice and following him. Notice, that, notice by the way, this is a big deal. I may raise more questions this morning that I may answer, which is okay. And we can talk about that later. But I want you to see this. He knows the sheep. The sheep are his before they hear his voice. Notice how this, when he says, when he says the, the, the shepherd doesn't come. The shepherd doesn't come to the sheep. So I, I, the way this works, there's a bunch of sheep. Some belong to the shepherd. Some don't belong to the shepherd. The way that he, because he, he knows which ones belong to him. 
And so he wants them. So when he calls out to him, the ones that belong to him come out because they know his voice and then they follow him. Notice what it does not say. Notice that it doesn't say the shepherd goes and just says, hey, come. And the sheep that come evidently are his. Like, oh, you're the squad. Okay. All right. Well, because I guess you guys came. He knows which ones are his. He knows them before he calls out to them. The sheep hear his voice and the sheep follow. Verse 7. He goes on. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find the pasture. The thief comes only to, to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So at this point, we're like, he's like, I am the door. We're like, okay, all right. So Jesus is the door. Like, he's the door. He's the access. We talked about, like, we can only come into faith through Jesus, right? He's the door, but he goes on beyond door. He says, I am the door. But then verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Not by the way, I am a, I'm a good shepherd. I'm a, pretty, I'm a pretty good shepherd. What he's saying is, I am the good shepherd. The shepherd that, that Ezekiel is talking about in 34, the good shepherd, the shepherd that is on his way, I am that good shepherd. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for, his, for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. And so when he's talking about this, then he goes straight on to, I am the good shepherd. And you notice when he says there's thieves and there's robbers. There's thieves, there's robbers, and there's hired hands. He goes, the thieves and the robbers, they just want to kill, steal, and destroy. He goes, and then these hired hands, they scatter, they run, and the sheep scatter. And the wolves, the wolves, they devour. There's, there's thieves, there's robbers, and there's wolves. And the thieves and the robbers and the wolves, you know what they do? They kill, they steal, they destroy, they scatter. That's what they do. You go, man, that sounds a lot like, that sounds a lot like Ezekiel 34. You go, it sounds a lot like Ezekiel 34. These bad shepherds, whether they're robbers, they're thieves, they're wolves, all they're going to do is to devour the sheep. And what it's going to cause is it's going to cause the sheep to scatter. But then Jesus says that I am the good shepherd. And by the way, the good shepherd knows his sheep. He gathers the sheep. 
He protects the sheep and then he provides the sheep, provides for the sheep. And the way that he does that, do you see what it said in the text, what it says how he does that? He goes, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. It's a beautiful thing as we understand that Jesus is laying down his life on the cross, right? It's actually both the provision and the protection. This idea that his sheep are going to lie down in green pastures, that's both provision, the green pastures, and a protection. They can lie down. Like, they don't have to be on the alert to, to run away. Could they be scattered at any moment? And so the provision and the protection comes because he has laid down his life. I thought it was poetic that, that we get to lie down a sheet because he's laid down. But those two look very different. And so what he says, he goes, as the good shepherd, I gather because my sh- they're my sheep. I know them. I protect them. I provide for them. Going on down even further in 22, at that time, so this is now a different, John's going to connect these two ideas because he's going to continue to talk about shepherds. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that these were right in connection, the stories were like boom, boom, but John's connecting them. At the same time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter. And Jesus was walking in the temple on the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe me, because you are not part of my flock. And so it says the Jews are gathered around and they're like, just tell us, tell us, tell us plainly. Are you the Messiah, right? The one to come, the one that's been promised in the Old Testament. Are you him? Just tell us plainly. Just come right out with it, Jesus. Stop beating around the bush. And what does Jesus say? I've told you plainly. My works bear witness about me. In other words, he has the identity of, as the Messiah. What he is saying is, is, my works, what I do, are giving you evidence about who I am. And it's not the other way around. It's not that the works that he does, that's what makes him the Messiah. No, no. Because he's the Messiah, these are the works that he does. It's his works that are flowing out of his identity, not the works that are flowing into his identity. And he goes, so it, it should be clear, like you should see what I've done. He's talking about the good shepherd. I've, I've, I've bound up those that have been healed. I've gathered them together. And he goes, but the reason why you don't believe, hear this, the reason why you don't believe is because you're just not a part of my flock. You're not one of my sheep. Interestingly enough, for these, for these, these people here, This is not a problem about information, but one of belonging. Jesus says, the reason why you don't know, because you're not mine. But then he shifts the conversation to talk about who is his. Verse 27. 
My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. My sheep. I know them. I know who they are. In other words, like I know their names. I know about them. I know who they are. I know all, like I know I know everything about them. I know them. They know my voice. And they follow me. This is what he had said earlier. I know them. They know my voice. They follow me. Then, in verse 28, I told you I'm promising we're getting somewhere. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. So he says, so the reason why you don't believe is because you're not sheep. I have sheep. The sheep, I know who they are. I know who they are. They know my voice. They follow me. And to my sheep, I give eternal life. And by the way, to his sheep, he gives eternal life. It's not, and to the sheep who prove worthy over time, I shall give them eternal life. Or the sheep who are better sheep than other sheep, I will give eternal life. He says, my sheep, I give eternal life. And not one of them is going to perish. And notice what, what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, and the ones who continue to follow me and continue to hear my voice, they will not perish. Or the ones, the ones who stay faithful over time, they will not perish. Or the ones who stay faithful to the moment of death, they will not perish. That's not what he says. The question here is, are you a sheep? Are you, are you his sheep or not a sheep? That's the only question. He says, because my sheep, I give eternal life. They will not perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Right? This is what it says. What if a robber comes? No one's going to snatch them out of my hand. What if a thief comes up over the side? No one's going to snatch them out of my hand. What if a wolf comes to devour them? No one is going to snatch them out of my hand. What if the sheep, the sheep himself, says, I know I don't want to be a part of this flock. (laughs) Jesus said, they're my sheep. I give eternal life. No one, I would assume that would be no one, um, will snatch them out of my hand. But can the sheep snatch himself out of, the, out of his hand? Like a, it would seem that no one will be able to snatch himself or any other sheep that belongs to Jesus out of his hand. To which you should be saying, this is a bold claim. And I would say, yes, it's a bold claim. And where does, he, where does he get off making such a bold claim? This is one of the things that they're wondering. Where do you get off saying such a bold claim? He tells us why he can make such a claim in verse 29 then. In 29 he says, My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the Father am one. And so the reason why Jesus says, 
he can make such a bold claim is because he goes, because nobody's more powerful than me. And for someone to come in and take them out of my hand means that they have greater power than I and no one has greater power than I. It's interesting in, in Mark chapter 3, Jesus is, is, is talking and he's talking about, about how, how you, how you, about the strong man. He said, if you want to rob a strong man, what you first need to do is you bind him up first. And then once you bound him up, you can steal whatever he has. That's just like burglary 101. I mean, that's just, that's just basic, basic robbing, right? Just you bind him up first, and then you can take whatever's his, like whatever is his. And there he's referring to this idea that he's going he's gonna to bind up, he's, gonna, he's bound Satan. And because he's, going, he's bound Satan, now he gets, to, he gets to plunder Satan's kingdom. And this is actually what it tells us in Colossians is that what's happened is that, that Jesus has come and he's, he's plundered the kingdom of darkness and transferred our citizenship to the kingdom of the Son. And so for, for anyone to snatch one of Jesus' sheep out of his hands, it means that somebody stronger than God has to come to bind him up in order to steal his sheep. But he can make this claim because there's no one greater than me. There's, there's no one that has more power than me. There's no one more, more strong than me. And this place that we think, but then how do we know that salvation is maintained by the grace of God? And why does that matter? Like, well, it matters for lots of reasons. One of which is, you ever thought, think that the that your salvation? I know this is going to sound crazy, 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 but your salvation is actually not even about you. It is about me. It's all about me. Everything's about me. That's not what we saw last week. That your salvation is about the glory of God. Which also means that you keeping your salvation isn't about you. It's not about your goodness. It's not about your works. It's not about what you have done. It's not about what you have done that keeps you in the good graces of God. But it's this idea that your salvation's kept because he's a good shepherd. For we would not say that he is a good shepherd if all he does is keep the sheep that stay close to him. Right? He's not a good shepherd. I could do that. I, I've never shepherded in my life. I mean, I may have shepherded people, but I'm not, not an actual sheep. If one started to go off, I'm like, well, okay, all right, well, I don't know what to do now. Like, I just, I, mean, I, I would not be a good shepherd. But like the ones that have stayed here, that have stayed right by me, like that, I'm, they're good. They're good. They're solid. Let's make me a good shepherd. You being maintaining salvation is not about you, but a, and your goodness, but about you serving and following a good shepherd. You think about the terminology that, that, that the New Testament uses about, about the church. It uses, like here, sheep. 
you can go on, well, sheep are dumb and sheep are this. Yeah, I get that. But actually, it also talks about, like uh, in Ephesians, it talks about how we are adopted into God's family. As I told you in, in Colossians, it, it speaks that we are now citizens. We are, we are citizens of, of this kingdom. And we think like, oh, we can just like, well, I'm, I'm in, I'm out, I'm out, I'm in, I'm in, I'm out. Like, but that's not how the Bible speaks. The Bible speaks of like, if, if you're his sheep, you belong to him. If you're his son or his daughter, you belong to him. If you are a citizen of the kingdom, you belong to the king. These are all relational things. I think we like the, the transactional God, like, God, I do things for you, you do things for me. We, we like that at some level because it gives us control. But then it leaves us in this place of, like, I mean, I talk with Christians, they'll be like, do you, like, do, do you think, like, you're, you're, you're saved to eternity? They go, yeah, I, I think so. I think so. Are you his? Oh, yeah, I'm definitely his. Do you belong to him? Yeah, I definitely belong to him. You going to heaven? Oh, probably. Like, wait, what? No. It tells us every, one, every single one of his sheep, he gives eternal life. And they will not perish. And no one, no one, no one will snatch them out of his hand because he's more powerful than all of them. It doesn't say, no one's going to snatch them out of my hand because they're not going to want to go anywhere. Who's going to want to leave my hand? He says, no one's going to no snatch him out of my hand because I've got the power. And so, then the question becomes, when we see this text, really the question becomes, are you his sheep or are you not his sheep? To which that's the question, is it? And then how do you know, this is what people want to know, how do I know if I'm his sheep? How do I know? Well, look at the Bible. What are the evidences that he said belong to his sheep? They hear my voice and they follow me. Those aren't qualifiers. If they, if they hear my voice and they follow me, that makes my sheep what they are, are evidences of their identity. So they hear my voice. People go, oh no, freak out. I mean, sometimes you people like, I know they, they hear somebody say, oh, then I heard God speak. Like, yeah, I've never heard that. Like, I don't know. I've not heard the voice of God. Burning bush, no. Maybe, maybe a billboard once. That was like shaky, but it was right time, right place. Maybe they said something on Caleb. I don't know. But yeah, I don't know if I've actually heard the voice of God. I'm going to go, well, I don't think he's talking about burning bush here. I don't think he's talking about a billboard. I, I, the, the, the New Testament is fairly clear to say that the way that God has spoken to us now is through his son, through Jesus, and through his word, the Bible. And so I said, if you ever, when you hear Jesus speak, if you think, I hear Jesus speak, and when I read his stuff and what he's said in the Bible, I think those are the words of God. And I go, yeah. Yeah, that's a good sign. You know why? Because that's what sheep think. Or when you see the Bible, you read the Bible, and you go, I, I, I understand that the Bible is more than just a religious text, but when I read the Bible, although it's hard to understand at times, it's hard to get, but when I read the Bible, I feel like 
I'm, I'm reading the words of God. And so when it says to me, I got to love my neighbor, I'm like, ah, oh, stink. And I don't just take that as a suggestion. I take that as like, like I got to do that because, because it's what God said. And so I would say is, is, as the, the, the hearing Jesus as God and understanding him as God in flesh, even receiving his, this, his word as, as this is God, this is your word, are two evidences of hearing God, um, as, as, as it says here, which would be that you're a sheep. By the way, just, that doesn't make you a sheep. Once again, I just want to be very clear. That doesn't make you a sheep. But this is how sheep think. This is what they do. And the other one is to follow. You have evidence in your life where you, you have followed Jesus. You look more like Jesus now than you did a year ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Depends on how long you've been a Christian. You're just following him. You're like, if that's where Jesus is going, that's where I'm going to go. I go, good, you know what? Because that's what sheep think like. And this is how I think you can grow in your confidence and grace and the grace that you are saved. Not because of your works. But because the more you're a follower of Jesus, the more sure you are that, yep, I really do. I really have heard the voice of God. I've really heard him speak to me. I've heard his voice. And when I heard his voice, not all the time, but when I've heard his voice, I, I, I have followed I go, good, because that's what his sheep do. Our fear with, with, with grace is that our grace, that God's grace is just over our past. But actually God's grace, his forgiveness is over your present. And hear me on this. If this is going to, like, this is really hard to understand, but he's already forgiven sins you have yet to commit. You, that, that's not true. Scripturally, <laughs> it's true, yeah. He's already forgiven sins that you have yet to commit. And he goes, so then why do I have to ask God for forgiveness? Like, well, I mean, I think that, that one, is, it's good. Uh, two, actually, I, I'm, I'm more about confession, which is like, God, I agree. Like, you, thank you that you've already forgiven him, but I agree that what I had just did, that was a sin, and it was broken, and it needs to be changed. And thank you that you have already given the grace for that. Because otherwise we have to buy into this God who, who when we sin, we break relationship again, then we're out, then we ask for forgiveness, and now we're back in. I had a friend in another vein of Christianity. Uh, and I, we, So he's a Christian. I said, so what happens? Like, what happens if you sin? Like, are you out? He goes, well, if it's a big, big sin, then yes, you're out. I'm like, how do you get back in? He goes, you got to go, you got to confess. I was like, oh. I was like, what happens if you're like, man, big old sin, I'm out, and you know, you know you're out. And you're like, I'm going to go confess, and then you, you die on the way there, like in a car accident. He goes, oh, you'd be in a lot of trouble. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. What Jesus has done for you, it is over your past it is over your present, the sins you are currently committing, and it's over all of the sins that you are going to commit. And you go, that's crazy. You go, that's why we call it amazing, right? 
And so what do we do? Well, I would say, if you're wondering if you are a sheep of Jesus, if you've heard his voice, maybe even you've heard his voice this morning, then respond to that. Tell Jesus that you want him to be the shepherd of your life. Tell him that, that you, and thank him for the forgiveness of the sins. And then commit to follow him the rest of your days, because that's what the sheep do. If you are saying, no, I, I, I think I am a sheep. In fact, the, the more I live, the more I know I'm a sheep. Not because of my works, but because I, I, I've, I've heard his voice. And even when I do dumb things, I hear him say, that's a dumb thing. So I've heard his voice, and I follow him. And the more I do that, the more confidence I have. I go, good. And my encouragement to you is to be, then sit in that confidence. By the way, do you know this? That that if, if what God wanted to do was just to control people, the grace is a really bad way to go about it. You think about this. This is why we, we do this at Christmas time, right? I was kind of joking, but we, people, like, this is done. Like, hey, you better be good. Because if you don't, coal. Oh, no. Coal. Well, that, that'll get people to be obedient. You want your kids to behave and stop throwing a tantrum in the middle of Target. It's not helpful for probably in that moment to say, well, you know what? Truth be told, no matter what you do here, you're going to get presents either way, right? I mean, that, like, that's not, that, <laughs> that may not be helpful in that moment. You want to control. But the problem is, is that God's not just looking to control you. He's living to give you security in relationship. What did he say? I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. He has come to free us. And I have found the way that I am the most free. I am the most free when I am the most secure in relationship. It's like when things are going well at home with your spouse or whatever or the people that are closest to you. You go into a job interview and they're like, they didn't hire me. You're like, oh, it's okay because I got people that love me anyways. There's this greater freedom that we find when we are more secure in relationships. And one of the things that the good shepherd has said to us is he goes, you're my sheep. What if I stray? I'm coming after you. What if I run away? Coming after you. What if I'm injured? Bound, I'm going to bind you up. I'm going to bring you back. And to think that you could choose your way out now is to think that your choice has more power than God himself. And I would submit that that's not true. May we, as sheep, go in the security of relationship that we may experience the freedom that lays there. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that, that for those that are here, that are your sheep, that you have granted them eternal life. They will not perish and no one will snatch them out of your hand. For those that are here that, that are your sheep that haven't responded to you yet, Jesus, I pray that the, even this morning that they would hear your voice. They would respond to you as shepherd.
maybe respond to you as shepherd for the first time. And they would come out and they would follow you. They would, they would listen to you as their shepherd. They would follow you as their shepherd. And then you would grant them eternal life. An eternal life they will not perish. And an eternal life that cannot be lost. We love you. We pray for these things in your name. Amen.